This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Washington 4th District Congressman and Chairman of the House Committee on Natural Resources, Doc Hastings. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS Inc. is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. CHS is diversified in energy, grains, and foods, and committed to growing their business through domestic and global operations. AgriPulse Open Mic is next. What does it mean to be relevant in today's global agriculture marketplace? To CHS, it means having the people and facilities in place to deliver U.S. grain to a feedlot in South Korea or investing in energy production and distribution to help ensure dependable fuel supplies for our local communities. In fact, we've invested more than $1.4 billion on our owner's behalf to make sure we stay relevant now and end of the future. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. Welcome back to AgriPulse Open Mic. This week our guest is Washington 4th District Congressman Doc Hastings. As Chairman of the House Committee on Natural Resources, Hastings guides the committee's effort to protect federal lands, but also looks to grow the economy. From my standpoint as Chairman of the House Natural Resources Committee, our focus has been moving legislation that we think will jumpstart and create jobs in America, and I'm talking principally about the... Uh, energy sector. We have jurisdiction over activities on federal lands, and everybody knows about the kind of renaissance, if you will, of energy production in Texas and North North Dakota. That is principally on state and private lands, and but that same potential uh, exists on uh, on federal lands. And so we have moved legislation uh, to that end. It's passed the House. It had bipartisan support, uh, but obviously it's waiting uh, action in the Senate. And then just uh, uh, just this week, uh, we passed uh, what I think is a very significant start to reforming the Endangered Species Act. Uh, the Endangered Species Act is an act that was passed some 40 years ago, but it has not been reauthorized since 1988. And uh, what we have found through a number of hearings that we had on the uh, House Natural Resources Committee and a working group of uh, some 10 members from throughout the, the country, we, we found that, that uh, litigation is getting in the way uh, of recovering species. In addition to that, because of litigation, there is less transparency as to what the decisions are to list species. And so we passed a, a legislation, again, with bipartisan support uh, this week, uh, that would put more transparency into the decisions that, uh, of listing uh, species as endangered uh, uh, or threatened. Uh, that when, when you list the species like that, obviously there's some habitat that goes along with that, and the habitat is what gets in the way of uh, potentially commercial activity and so forth. So if these actions are going to happen, the point is there should be more transparency so people know what why these decisions uh, were made. And so uh, that was embodied uh, in our legislation. And also embodied in that legislation is more input uh, and data that comes from uh, local communities uh, and Indian tribes who are also uh, affected by this. So uh, it's, a, it's a start. Uh, it, it is not a comprehensive reform, but I think it brings more transparency 
uh, to this law, and I think that's a step in the right direction. I note from the mission statement of the, the Natural Resources Committee, you mentioned two things. Number one, to strengthen the economy, and second of all, to protect natural resources. Uh, are those in order, or are they considered in balance? Because I think, I think there are some who are more of the protection at whatever cost that comes to the, to the economy or to the local community. Uh, it's, it is not an either-or. Uh, you can do both very, very easily. And keep in mind, federal lands, uh, and, and this is, uh, I, I felt very strongly about the statement I'm going to make when I took over as chairman of the committee. Federal lands, unless otherwise designated, were designed to be used for multiple purposes. And that includes recreation, obviously, and it, commer- and it includes commercial activity. So depending on what the federal land is, it depends on what that activity is. Let's take our national forests, for example. Uh, last year, we passed a, a piece of legislation out of the House, again, with bipartisan support. It's weighed in the Senate, called the Healthy Forest Act. And what it simply says is that the uh, federal government and the national forest should uh, actively set aside for commercial use a harvesting of our timberland. Because lack of doing that harvest builds up the fuel that leads to many of the forest fires that we have been seeing in the West the past several years. In fact, I can, I can speak uh, personally because the large fire, the largest fire in the state's history uh, in Washington State that is still going on, I might add, uh, is, in, uh, is in my district. Now, we don't have all of the details uh, as to what the sales were uh, in the past. But I know over time there has been criticism from my constituents up there in that part of the country uh, that the Forest Service is simply not managing that lands, and we'll obviously look into it. But that that is a good example. Uh, so now you, when you when you don't harvest it, obviously there is no revenue that comes into uh, into the federal government. As a matter of fact, there's costs. And then the second part of that, when you have a fire, especially as large as the one that was in my state. Uh, you have a diminution of wildlife in that area. And so it's a lose-lose because you don't manage uh, the forest lands. So uh, it's not an either-or situation, and this, but this goes back to the multiple uses of our, our natural resources that I mentioned earlier. So in some ways, villainizing what would be good management, A, costs you money, and at the same time makes you more susceptible for tragedy. There's no question uh, about that if you don't manage. Those those sort of things happen. I mean, Mother Nature, and, and you're not going to stop every forest fire, but you can certainly reduce the risk if you properly manage the forest so in the event of a forest fire, uh, it won't be as catastrophic because the fuel won't be there to, uh, you know, to uh, keep the fire going. So what needs to happen to have the proper policies in place for the proper management to take place? Is this additional congressional action, or does this fall through regulatory authority? No, we feel that it, uh, it's because of regulatory authority that has led us to pass the Healthy Forest Act, again, out of the House, that calls for the Forest Service to actively manage. Now, what does actively manage mean? That means that where there is uh, 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 timber that's available, then that should be put up for bid to harvest that timber that obviously helps the economy and at the same time uh, manages our forests in a way that we don't uh, potentially have these catastrophic fires. Well, your 21st Century Endangered Species Transparency Act passes by a margin of 233 to 190. What hope do you have that this legislation will see the light of day in the Senate? Does it go as far as you wanted to? What remains? 
Well, I think there, I think there needs to be more uh, time on this uh, <clears throat> because this is a long-range uh, program. What I am very pleased is that uh, two senators uh, in the Senate, Senator Cornyn from uh, Texas and Senator Enzi from Wyoming, have introduced in the Senate similar legislation, if not identical legislation, that we passed out of the House. Uh, I, I'm under no illusions, however, that the Democrat-controlled Senate uh, will, will take this issue up. I don't think that's going to happen this term. But uh, if, uh, because the bill passed out of the House with bipartisan support, and if the election changes the makeup of the Senate, and with two senators that have introduced legislation this year, I think there's a great opportunity next Congress uh, for this legislation to uh, advance. Because, again, the Endangered Species Act has not been reauthorized since 1988, and I think it needs to be brought up to date. And these are, these are, are simply modest reforms, but I think they're very, very important uh, because they, they talk about transparency, and there is a distrust. I think most people uh, would acknowledge that there's a certain amount of distrust of the federal government in a variety of areas in this country, and to the extent that we can bring more transparency into whatever those decision-makings are, I think that we are better served. Now, critics say you're going to slow down the process because it'll take more time to have all of this published. It'll cost more money. Uh, and it may actually limit some science that might be used uh, to make decisions. I, I find those arguments to be uh, absolutely ridiculous. I've never heard where more transparency slows down the process unless, unless there is a means to try to hide information from people. And, and, and what really slows down the process then is that these individuals have to sue. I mean, for goodness sakes, if you have... If you have the information out there, and this is why uh, a decision was made, uh, and it's open and people can discuss it, I have no idea why that would slow it down, because it's either valid or it isn't, or it isn't valid. But right now, because we don't have access to that information, so many times uh, you have somebody that is hurt because of a listing, and they have no recourse other than to go to courts. That's what really slows down the process. I'd like to get your thoughts on some bigger issues, and I realize that, that you look over the, the federal lands under your committee, but at the same time, what are your thoughts on the EPA's carbon emission rule for fossil fuel burning plants? I think they have stepped well beyond their bounds. Uh, th this is wrapped up, unfortunately, uh, in, in the politics, and, and just let me be very blunt, uh, in the politics of what I call the environmental left. And I say that because uh, when the Democrats were in control of both houses of Congress, uh, they passed a cap-and-trade legislation. Uh, very, very contentious. It was not open to uh, really, I think, proper debate in the House. I voted against it. Uh, and, but the bill then uh, went to the Senate, and even then the Senate could not get uh, enough votes to pass it. So... Uh, what is happening then is uh, through the normal process, the statutory lawmaking pro process, uh, EPA, I think, is, is stepping over their bounds to try to do it in a regulatory way. And we have seen so many examples of this administration uh, not following uh, the law, and I think this follows uh, broadly into that category also. Pretty dry on the 4th District in Washington, but your thoughts on the WOTUS rule of the waters of the U.S.? Well, once again... Uh, the waters of the U.S., and, and, and particularly in the western part of the United States, water law is, is, uh, is a function of regulation by the state government. Uh, I am firmly in favor 
of, of, of states being able to regulate their own laws. But when in the Clean Water Act, there's a simple term to change the term of waters away from navigable, and that's what the issue is, you take navigable out of regulating waters, then you potentially open federal involvement to every water, including a mud puddle, if somebody wants to. Uh, I think, that, again, this is a, a, an overstep. I think it's uh, wrong, uh, and I think states are perfectly capable of regulating their own water. What are your thoughts on the immigration issue? Seems to be very polar, seems to be at a stalemate. Some say laws on the books that should be enforced. Others say time for reform. Others say time to, uh, to continue course. Well, there's no question that this is an issue, and and uh, and I, I I might add that I really don't view uh, these children that are coming from Central America as part of the immigration problem. But I will say that it's, it's because of the policies primarily of this president to have sent a signal that if people come here, then they they will not be uh, uh, sent back or, or dealt with. I think that's the wrong signal, and we have heard that really loud and clear. But on the overall immigration issue. Uh, if we are going to be a government of laws, and, and I strongly believe that we need to be a government of laws, and we acknowledge that we have a number of people that are here illegally, uh, over time, unless we resolve that problem, the rule of law and the notion of following the law breaks down. So there has to be a way by which to make those, uh, whatever that figure is, 10 to 12 million people, somehow make them legal. Now, that does not mean citizenship. It just means, okay, they are acknowledged to have been here, some sort of legal status so they can be dealt with. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think that will preserve the rule of law because I don't think anybody realistically figures that there can ever be a way that you would uh, round up that many people and, and send them back to their, uh, to their home. And I might add also, when you look at the immigration laws, uh, the, uh, so many of those that are here illegally are simply people that came here initially legally with a visa and then overstayed their visa. I think that figure is nearly 50%, probably not quite 50%. So obviously those, that, that sort of legislation needs to be uh, strengthened so that uh, uh, over, overstaying your uh, visa is not just a slap on the wrist. In fact, it's very serious. So, but, I think that, uh, but I think getting back to the major point, uh, the fundamental issue is we're going to be a, a country where the rule of law is supreme and we have to figure out how uh, to get through this fact that so many people are here uh, uh, without following the law. Just a couple questions left. Uh, we will we will go to the August break with the Congress with a number of issues that won't be done. Budget is one. And a limited number of days of congressional action for the month of September before the end of the fiscal year. What's left on the table, and what action do you see when we come back in September? When we get back in September, the most pressing issue, because the fiscal, end, fiscal year ends at the end of September, undoubtedly there will be a continuing resolution or a CR uh, that will uh, uh, probably go until roughly uh, the middle of uh, December. Uh, and then, uh, and so the lame duck session will, will take that up. But uh, the, the House, once again, there are 12 appropriation bills that make up the uh, spending for uh, our federal government. The House has passed seven uh, of those 12, uh, and the Senate has yet to pass any. So we're, we're going to be faced then to be with a continuing resolution to order to resolve that, I think, in the 
lame duck session that we'll have in November and December. Our thanks to this week's guest, Washington 4th District Congressman Doc Hastings. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc., a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Diversified in energy, grains, and foods, and committed to growing their business through domestic and global operations. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley. 